welcome to the Esquire podcast, a space to inspire women to build their brands and business without leaving their faith behind. And I'm your host, Janet Oyadele. You'll be hearing candid conversations with founders, thought leaders, and inspiring individuals on navigating faith and life as an entrepreneur. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged as you listen. This is the Ascribe Podcast. Okay, so today's guest is a consultant specializing in entrepreneurship, sales leadership, and management. He's the co-founder and the CEO of Remotely, a company which provides outsourced services to individuals and businesses across the world. He appeared on season 12 of the BBC show, The Apprentice, and since then he's continued his journey into entrepreneurship and is now based in Ghana. Today we have with us Samuel Brooksworth. Welcome to the show, Samuel. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How's your day been so far? So far, so good. Um, that crash sunshine is shining. Sunshine is shining. It's nice and warm, good vibes. I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Um, I knew you was going to throw in the, the sunshine that you're now enjoying <laughs> over in Ghana. Um, yeah, um, it's not as sunny over here in London, um, but yeah, I'm well, thank you. And thank you once again for your time today. Um, I mean, it, it's so great to see your growth over the past few years and we're going to dig into a lot of that. But yeah, just thank you so much for your time, for agreeing to be part of today's podcast. So for anyone that's new to this podcast, it's a podcast to support women who are building a brand or a business without leaving their faith behind. And as mentioned, we're joined today by Samuel Brooksworth. So Samuel, I thought it'd be nice to kind of hear your career journey and how that's led to where you are today. So just talk us through where you started in terms of your career journey up until the point where you're now the co-founder of Remotely based in Ghana. Oh yeah. So um, my career journey has been, it's, it's, it's been a long and interesting one. I began my sales career really when I was 17. Um, I started doing um, door-to-door street fundraising, um, just sales. And, and that was difficult um, at a young age because um, as you can imagine, you get abused. People aren't interested in buy your services or products. But it built a lot of resilience and it taught me a lot. And to be honest, I found that I really liked it. I, I didn't mind being told no. I quite enjoyed the challenge of being told no and trying to turn that no into yes, understanding why people say no, trying to sway them into seeing things from my perspective. And that just saw me go into a career of sales where I progressed from organization to organization, selling a range of different services and products. I've sold cars, I've sold insurance, I've sold glass, glass um, windows, doors. I've sold um, material handling solutions, which are like heavy lifting equipment, power tools, um, media industry, um, advertising, recruitment advertising. I've, I've done a lot. But in that all, I've just seen myself progress and sell millions at each organization I've worked at, um, which then led me on to eventually being, like I said, on The Apprentice, which was, again, one of the best experiences of my life. And um, the doors that opened, not so much so for my career, I saw that it did have a somewhat of a detrimental impact on my career. But in regards to my um, business and the doors and networks that opened for me, that was great. So um, that's obviously just led on to what I'm doing now. Mm, that's great. And I mean, you know, you spoke about The Apprentice and you mentioned that, you know, there was great opportunities from there. What was your time like um, 
on The Apprentice? And would you say that was there was anything that helped you through that process of being on The Apprentice? Yeah, sure. So um, my time on the show was, um, again, on the one probably one one of the best experiences of my life, and it was just because. I, I really enjoy being in pressured environments. I enjoy sales. I enjoy being under pressure and showing what I'm capable of doing, um, which a lot of people aren't, but I don't know. I, I thrive in them kind of environments. So um, that for me, I, I, I felt very comfortable in that environment. The process of going through the entire process of 50,000 people applying, then whittling down to 18. That in itself was a huge journey because I, I didn't actually want to go into the show. It was my wife who pushed me <laughs> to do it. Um, and um, I'm happy I listened to her eventually. Um, I'm happy I ended up going on to it. That process was long. It was tedious. The show was, it was, it was a long process. A lot of people aren't aware that you're not allowed to have your phones. You can't watch TV. You can't read books. Um, during the entire time you're there, you get one five-minute phone call a week your loved ones um, while you're in, in the process. Um, it's very isolated environment. It's done deliberately to um, create tension, to, put to, to, to make you on edge so they can create entertaining TV. Psychologically, it's a lot. But obviously they do all that in order to create good TV in order to ensure that um, it's great for the viewers. Yeah, that, 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 that in itself, it was a great process, great show. What kept me going um, was my faith. And they, they, they said that when you're on the show, you can't bring factual books, things that they deemed to give you an advantage whilst on the show, but they deemed my Bible not to be <laughs> factual. Basically, I could bring my Bible into the, into the house. That time, um, reading my Bible, memorizing scriptures, uh, that benefited me massively because it kept me strong, kept me focused. I think that's that's so interesting to hear that, you know, you was able to still take in your Bible and you had that as, you know, something that you could use during that process. Um, what role has your faith played in, like, in who you are, the man you are today? Could your husband, your father, um, and yet yeah, your business founder, how has your faith helped you in all of those different respects? My faith has helped me massively in the sense that faith is, or my, the way I like to describe faith is, Believing in something that's not there as though it is, or believing in something you know is there, but other people can't see, and placing your entirety into it. So when I look at my sales career or look at my business, for example, there's a lot of things in my career I've been able to do that people have told me are impossible. But because I have known in my spirit that I can do it, I've chased targets that seem impossible, as if they're possible. And when I've done it, people have been like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that could be accomplished. Well done. Or in regards to setting up the business we've set up now remotely, we were told categorically, this will not work in Africa. It's impossible. You cannot do it. Don't even try attempting it. We will not give you any funding to do it. So we just did it. And we did it and believed in it as though the business was there. I've never lived in Ghana before. I've never lived in Africa. I've only ever visited I came out here with no real knowledge. Again, I'm not ignorant. I didn't grow up in Ghana, so there are loads of things within the nation that I'll be completely oblivious to. There are so many things um, economically, politically, that I need I need to or needed to get my head around that I was completely unaware of. It was a huge risk coming out here mm. um, with no security. But then 
my faith is what led me here and something inside me just told me, Samuel, just go out and it will be well. And I just took that step of faith. And since then, I've seen us move forward quickly and powerfully. So, um, yeah, my faith has played a pivotal role in me moving forward in business. I think that's great, you know, and I think, you know, sometimes when we're, we're challenged to take that leap of faith, it can be quite daunting, especially when you're treading new grounds and going into new environments and things. How would you say some of the experiences that you've had in terms of, you know, your work, the apprentice, even, you know, leading others in their business spaces as well? Um, how has that set you up to lead remotely and to be the CEO of this growing company? Um, it's helped me massively. Um especially my career where there were so many challenges and so many things that came my way that just prepare me for the role I'm doing now. A lot of times in my career, I would be in certain roles and I'd honestly just pray and be like, God, why am I here? Why am I in this job? These people don't rate me. They don't respect me. They have no regard for me. I hate it here. And there have been so many roles I've been in where I've absolutely blitzed like just crushed other in individuals in my department in regards to sales. Um, been at the top of every single chart, whether it's attention, sales, customer service, um, leadership, uh, my teams, leading, managing, like everything. But then when promotion time comes, I'd never get the roles. And I'd be like, this makes no sense. And especially I, I remember my very last role where I, I, I went above and beyond in order to show that I, I do my role and able to lead teams. and. I remember a promotion opportunity came and I just was not given opportunity. And I, I was really frustrated. I was like, I don't get it. I, I've shown that I'm capable. In my career, it's evident I'm capable of doing what the role requires. And I'm, my wife just said to me, Samuel, can you not see that you're being blocked from these opportunities deliberately because there's something else you're meant to be doing? And if you went into those positions, you knowing you, you would just stay there and you progress within the corporate ladder when that's not meant to, meant to be what you're doing. I said to her, no, I, I, I can't see. <laughs> I waited and I, and I prayed. Then obviously, remotely started dropping in my spirit, spoke, speaking with Kwame about it, what we wanted to do with forward, the impact we wanted to have in regards to getting young people to employment, the impact we wanted to have in the nation, supporting businesses, so on and so forth. Um, eventually, I could see how that then led onto this. So, yeah, going back to the initial point of your question, um, my career, all those obstacles and all those things I encountered um, led up to what we're doing now because they took me less at each stage. At the time, I couldn't see it. But now I'm in the position I'm in. In regards to when I was structuring my business, in regards to how to handle staff, how to make staff feel comfortable, how to create a beautiful company culture, how to make everyone feel involved and welcome, how to make sure that individuals are getting promoted based off being the best at what they do as opposed to favoritism. We've ensured that Women are equally represented within the business. We will ensure that it's diversity shown at every level of the business. So all these things I've seen in my career that I didn't like, that I've encountered, I've ensured that our organization um, answers all those questions and that everyone feels welcome, comfortable, and feels that they can progress within remotely. 
I think that's so good. It's like, yeah, using your experiences, the skills, the things you've observed through your career as an employee has really helped you like to lead this business with the culture that you know is, you know, optimum for seeing everyone around you thrive as well. Um, and I know you mentioned something about, you know, the finances and the funding to even start remotely. How has that journey been in terms of having to bootstrap and yeah, use, you know, your own money to kind of see this vision come to pass? Yeah, um, it's been an interesting journey. And I say that because when we first started, um, in my personal career, I've, um, especially after The Apprentice, I set up a platform where we would help entrepreneurs um, gain funding, set up their businesses. We set up masterclasses, um, web seminars, webinars, um, sessions on how to get people to structure their business because or understand how to start their business from the perspective of law, financing, marketing, and business strategy. Um, in that time, through the platform, we helped hundreds of entrepreneurs. We, we helped easily over 100 businesses get set up and supported hundreds of entrepreneurs. And seeing us do that was a phenomenal feat. And when I thought that it would be my time to start business, getting funding would be easy. Likewise, Kwame, who is our co- my co-founder and CEO of Remotely, he took the organization he worked with, um, Unilad, from um, £300,000, sorry, and five-star to over £10 million. Well, he, t- he told me the exact figure the other day. It was actually £14 million. I keep saying £10, but it's actually more. Well, £10 million and over 200 star in the space of five years. So we've got a lot of startup experience and we know exactly what we're doing. So when we came to up our business, we were asking for funding. Everybody was no to us. Like, and, and they would never give us adequate reasons as to why. We'd present our business models, we'd present our finance, um, our, our finance models, we'd present everything, we'd show our teams, our experience, our background, um, exactly what we're looking to do. And we kept getting no, even from um, funders or people who say they found or fund um, black businesses were getting told no left, right, center. It's like, this makes no sense. I can't understand why we've been blocked off. And again, um, people just kept saying to us, you know what, just get started, get up and running. We're like, no, we, we want to do this right. So we said, you know what, let's just get started. So Kwame and I put our own money into the business and we started running ourselves. And when we started, obviously, there's, I don't use the word fear, we weren't scared because we, we always knew it was going to go well, but it's just that jumping over that hurdle of, do we want to do this? Are we sure? You know what? Let's just do it. And we did it. We hired our first BA in November. Um, she generated for us £795. And this is November 2020. And we thought, you know what? Cool, £795. Let's do this. And then every month after that, it just our revenue just doubled, 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 doubled. Up until we recently, well, well this was beginning of the last month, but we hit um, £20,000 in recurring monthly revenue. And again, that's just looking to increase drastically from there. And it's all because we just literally took that step of faith from the beginning and put our money where our mouth were. Well, you know, let's just start it ourselves. And um, yeah, so sort of the funding journey has not been easy because up until last month, we had received no funding at all. But now we're here um, and we've got people throwing money at us now. We're now having to decide which direction we now want to go in. So um, it's literally just because we started from the beginning and for, you know, Robin is waiting for funding or waiting to get that investment, just do things ourselves. 
That's amazing. And, you know, just to provide a bit of context, I know we spoke about this earlier, you know, you mentioned, you know, November 2020, starting off with your first employee. Tell us the actual size of your staff team at the moment and the different departments so that we can understand what it's grown into in the space of about six months. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I'll talk about organisational structure so people get a real good grasp of how it's structured. So you have Kwame, who's COO, um, Chief, operations officer and you have myself CEO chief executive officer and we both co-founded the business together then underneath us you have our head of sales Simon um, who's British but he lives in Lithuania so he works remotely and then we have our operations director Ovid who is in Ghana then underneath Simon you have the entire sales team and um, we've had sales team individuals who worked in India America Egypt, um, we have individuals who currently work in Ireland, um, the UK. Um, so our sales team um, work remotely and they help to get businesses, reach out to businesses to sign on to remotely. Then underneath Obed, we then have, who recently promoted our two country heads. So country head of the US team and the country head of the UK team. Underneath them are then our team leaders. Underneath our team leaders in their individual teams, they have their senior virtual assistants and underneath them, they have their virtual assistants. So that's how the company's broken up. So we started with one in November and now we have over 40 staff now. Yeah, and we're just rapidly growing. Um, so that's how we're structured. And that's and again, that structure just came from the experiences we encountered in our working careers. Um, a lot of things I saw, a lot of structures I saw, a lot of the way things were set up in businesses I worked but I didn't like. That's that's just so amazing to hear. And I love the fact that you you keep mentioning and referring back to how you've used what you've learned in your journey so far to build what you now have. And I think it's so crucial because oftentimes some people can get quite, you know, disheartened when they're still in full-time employment or they haven't yet realized their business dreams and their visions. But it's really about that preparation. And sometimes God will take us through certain seasons to prepare us and equip us for what he has ahead. Um, and it's so good to hear that, you know, you've used what you've seen in the companies you've worked for um, to develop your team structure um, the skills that you've developed along the way have helped you as well um, I think it's just so key to kind of hold on to that lesson and to encourage yourself um, if you're listening that there are so many things that God will help you to gain in this season um, that will set you ahead for where he's taking you to so yeah, yeah thank you and, and, and that's a powerful point because even on that note, there's two examples I always give to individuals whenever I speak about their careers and the frustrations they may encounter. Um, one example being Moses. And when you look at the story of Moses, um, especially when he was still in Egypt, it's not clear whether it's his mother, his birth mother, or his adopted mother, um, Pharaoh's daughter, who made him aware that he was going to um, be the one who was set the Israelites free. But from a young age, even whilst he was in Egypt, he knew that. Even him leading on to killing the Egyptian, he had a feeling or an inkling that he was going to be somebody of significance. And it's shown in the early part of his life. So a lot of times in our careers, we have this feeling that we're meant to be doing more. But then you then see Moses' life then spiral out of control where he's in the wilderness for a long period of time. He would have gone through periods in his life where he would have questioned himself, would have questioned the decisions he made, but then you see that everything he went through during that period of his life was shaping him, building him, molding him for what God was calling him to do till eventually he was led back. Second example, you can look at the story of Joseph. 
And from a young age, God gave him visions and dreams and dreams of him being the head of his household, him leading his household, him being someone of significance. His parents, his siblings, no one else in his family could see that. He went through certain trials and tribulations that may have made no sense. He was selling him, selling him off, him becoming head of his household, him seeking to do well in his career, him then being knocked back, being put in prison for something he didn't do. His career, his life had certain ups and downs that made no sense to him. Just like people in our careers have certain highs and lows, but like, God, why am I going through these instances? Why am I going through these things? Why am I going through such high highs and such low lows? But then you, when you look at his life and you look at how he stayed focused on what God had originally called him to do, how he then ended up becoming the world's first agricultural minister, which is what I like to call it, in essence, helping save not only his household, but his entire, his, his, his entire people. And the world at that time, in fact. And you see that though he went through such tribulations and such hardships, eventually all the things he had gone through made sense at the end. And I think it's so key for a lot of us that have going through such frustrating things, especially working in the UK. Um, if you're a black person listening to this, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's difficult being a black British individual working in the UK because there are certain institutional I want to use the word racism. We all know it's racism, but these days the word racism is kind of thrown about. Um, but it is racism. And the things we go through in our careers is painful and it's frustrating. But you find that eventually all the things we go through make sense. And when we get to where we're meant to be going to and we look back, we're like, I can see why we're through all this, those, those tribulations. I can see why we're through that turmoil. Now I'm, I am where I am now. I can use all that as, um, as, as, as lessons for me to build off and continue in this direction that God's taking you. Definitely agree with both of those Bible characters. And I mean, even looking at the life of Joseph, who, um, yeah, he went through so many challenges, yet every environment he found himself in, he performed with excellence. And it's like, he, it didn't matter. Like he just had this favor of God on him. And I think when we think about business as well, like sometimes it's not just about who's looking at you. It's about the fact that God has given you something and one of the ways that, you know, you can always perform to an excellent standard is by having that assurance that God has called you and led you to where you are. And I know with you, you're now in a new environment. You're in Ghana, which is, you know, not where, as you mentioned, it's not where you grew up. It's a different environment to what you're used to. How have you been able to adjust um, in terms of not just business, but just personally as well? How have you been able to adjust to living and working in Ghana? You know what, um, initially I wasn't too sure, well, when I say initially, when I first started coming out to Ghana holidays, it's enjoyment central, so you're thinking, yeah, I'm out here just relaxing, chilling, um, but my mindset was never on living here. In me coming out here, um, I had a lot of things in my mind, oh, how would I do out here? Will I be able to integrate? Will I be able to enjoy the same level of lifestyle of, same, same level of, lifestyle I had in the UK would I be able to have that in Ghana out here it's been amazing as in it's the first time in my life that I feel at peace and I feel comfortable and I feel like I'm at home though I was born in the UK I, I never felt like I was at home I was always made to feel as though I was different I always knew I stood out in certain environments I'd be in in workplaces that always make me know in one way shape or form that I either wasn't meant to be there, I was some sort of, um, I was exemplary or uh, I'm different to my 
kind, which never made sense, mm. or um, that I was just exceptional, which again doesn't make sense. There are many exceptional black people in the UK. I'm glad I came here and and and, and, I, and I'd encourage more of us to hopefully come out to Ghana, West Africa, where Africa, wherever your home may be, over the next decade, so we can really help come build or even take this continent in direction that it's already going in. It's already going in this help towards its development. That's great. That's great. And I love how um, even with your experience in sales and, you know, you're now based in Ghana, but you service people internationally, individuals and brands internationally. What would you say has helped to boost the sales of Remotely over the past six months? And have there been any lessons from your sales career that have helped you? Yeah, what's helped boost the sales um, has been the excellence of the Ghanaian people. Um, we genuinely can't take um, any credit for it. It's just the excellence of the Ghanaian individuals here. They're, they're so, so good. And there's a stigma that, especially when we were first talking to our clients or talking to individuals in the UK especially, not so much so America, Americans um, love working with Africans. They're quite used to the idea of virtual assistants and outsourcing. And for them, it's a norm. They, they don't mind. They'll, they'll, they'll take that plunge. In the UK, there was this, they used to ask random questions like, oh, what's their English comprehension? Oh, are they used to using Microsoft Word and Excel? Um, what's their English proficiency? Oh, are they able to have, do they have stable internet? And I was like, what kind of questions are these? Like, just the lack of understanding that there was in the UK was just shocking. But then when we started working with a few clients and they saw the level of excellence that there was in Ghana, there is in Ghana, they were blown away. Ghanaians are highly skilled and educated. And if they're not working, you find a lot of them are just studying. They'll do one degree, two degrees, three degrees, a master's, two master's, PhD. They'll just be studying Whilst even if they can't find employment or they're doing it, they want to sit on their hands. A lot of them will just come and study and learn and ensure that they're always upskilling themselves. So by the time we've come and we're now the folks, they're just, they're just using everything they've learned, everything they've done, the working experience that they have had, and they're putting all to use. So because of that, our customers are then, our clients sorry, are then telling other people about our service who are then signing on. They're like, oh my goodness, we cannot believe the level of experts coming out of Africa. Um, and that's how we've grown so fast because the staff here are just doing such a phenomenal job that people are hearing of the service that remote is providing. And when they do sign up, they're blown away. I think that's great. And I think, you know, developing your team and ensuring that you get the best talent is so crucial. And what would you say has helped you to find that team? Because it sounds like you're so proud of your team. They're doing an amazing job. Um, how would you able to actually develop the team that you now have in place? Did you have to source them from certain areas or did you have to train them up? How did that actually look? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're definitely right. I, I really am proud. Um, but finding them wasn't as easy as we thought it would be, especially initially anyway, because initially we put out there that we're just looking for virtual assistants, which is the area we began in. Um, and then we've got an influx of applications and some of them were just not the greatest. Um, just individuals looking for jobs that weren't qualified for our role and for the roles that we were at the time advertising. So we then started to um, obviously get first, um, got the first two BAs. We created a strategic partnership with a university called Eshesi in Ghana. We were one of the most pre prestigious universities in Ghana. And um, 
we put our, our jobs in front of their um, alumni groups and they started applying, started hiring them. Um, obviously, there's a high premium to get those kind of in- individuals, but um, that works well. And once we've got them on board, they introduce us to their network, we introduce us to other universities, other universities then introduce us to their alumni, and we just grew from there. So because of that, we've got a very high quality of staff, um, and we they set the bar to a point where we can't go any lower now. We have, we have to then employ staff at that level, and that's how we've been able to get them. We've got some training. Um, yeah, we've got trainers, got training in place. Um, we have team leaders who do um, training. We have our heads of country who do training. We ensure that they're constantly being trained and upskilled to ensure that they're able to cater to the different kinds of businesses we service. So um, that's how we've been able to keep them at such a high level and ensure that they're constantly learning, constantly developing and constantly being able to keep our level of excellence very, very high, which is so important because in ever-changing world, we can't remain the same. We need to ensure that we're constantly upskilling. That's great. And I know over the past, I'll say five years, but most especially over the past 12 months, we've been seeing this shift towards remote working and virtual teams. And that's the area that you specialize in remotely. What would you say people need to consider um, before working with virtual assistants or virtual teams? Um, I'd say that you need to consider um, the kind of assistance they require. And when I say that, you find that um, a lot of virtual assistants that you hire are, are freelance, right? So if you go out and you hire a freelancer, that freelancer may not so potentially understand your vision, your mission, what you're trying to build, your company culture. They may not try to or want to care about wanting to build out your team. So they'll just be interested in collecting money from you. You spend the first hour training them, which you're paying for. Second hour of them doing a task, which you really pay for the first hour of training them. Second hour is not enough time, got to pay for another hour. They may have other clients, they may not have the time to do the tasks that you need them to do or to do it in the time frame that you need to be done in. They may be sick, they may go on holidays, they may go on leave. There's so many other things that may happen if you have just a regular outsourced individual, um, which is what you need to put in consideration. The difference with our business is that when we hire our staff, our staff go into your business as if they're members of your team. They then take on your vision, your mission. They, 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 they embed into your company culture as if they work for your organization. So they see it as they're one of your staff members, which is key. Also, if they never have additional work, because again, they, they're on hours. So if you're on a part-time contract, they've got set hours to work for you within a certain time frame you set. Full-time contract, then they're there nine to five, whatever hours, working hours, you have as a business to work for you in that time scale, in that time frame. They also have a buddy system here. So let's say, for example, any of our staff are sick or um, are away from the office, because they've always got a buddy in the office, when they're away, someone can step into your organization and take over your role seamlessly with your perspective. Things are constantly happening, work is constantly being done, but then you will never see the switch between VAs, which obviously, unless you have a meeting with them and they'll make you aware of that, oh, I'm away for a few days. And from your perspective, it's cool. Things just continue running. So that's, that's the difference. If you just need things to be done, one-off tasks, think, of course, jump onto Fiverr or people power, pay for someone to do it and get out of the way. We're realizing that if you're running a business, your business isn't something that's just up and running for a week or two. You need someone to sit alongside you. And if that's what you're looking to do and at a cost-effective rate, that's where organizations that are ours, well, not like ours, we're the only organization that do what we do. So 
so we can step in and really help assist in you building a team long-term uh, with individuals who are highly skilled or want to help you build whatever it is you're looking to build. That's great. And I love how you're pioneering this new, this new way of doing remote working and having someone come into the team and really understand the vision and be in it for the journey with you um, I think it makes so much of a difference um, and it also gives you that reassurance and that confidence that you've got the right people in place because um, I think in business sometimes it's managing people it's managing the vision you know it's managing the clients and you just want to make sure that you've got the best structure possible to do that um, it, it just makes it so much so much easier um, so yeah it's so great to hear what you have started with Remotely. It's been so good hearing about your journey, the journey of Remotely. And I wish you all the success um, as you continue to grow your impact in this space. So yeah, thanks once again, Samuel. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Ascribe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe as it allows other entrepreneurial women like yourself to find the show. If you would like to find out more about Ascribe, visit us at ascribeculture.com. Enjoy the rest of your day and take care.